Okay, hi everyone. So this is the fourth episode of the Generation Series, and here today I have Katie. How are you doing, Katie? Hi, good. Thank you for having me. Of course. So what I like to do um, before the Generation Series starts is ask you, how do you identify culturally? I identify as mixed, mostly. Um, I'm Asian American, Mm -hmm. but saying Chinese doesn't really encompass all of the heritage that I identify as so usually I just say mixed but Asian American generally and when you say mixed what do you mean the what other cultures do you have uh just white and Asian and what is that like you know me being biracial I think it's it's a little bit different I've sort of had to struggle being African-American and being Moroccan Mm -hmm. did you ever feel like growing up there was like a struggle balancing the two I did, especially with friends around the greater Seattle area who were not mixed, who were actually Mm -hmm. maybe full Vietnamese or full Chinese or full Korean. Um, They speak their mother tongue and they're very immersed in their culture. And also all of my friends who were full white Mm -hmm. and um, they, you know, it's not as rich of a culture maybe, but they still have aspects of their life that are influenced by their heritage, whereas Mm -hmm. coming from a blended background, um, I sort of didn't have much of either because the Chinese and uh, Korean side of me is so westernized and then the white side of me is so like numb to the white culture, if that makes sense. I'm not sure how to describe it quite, but yeah. Can you describe more about what do you mean by westernized? Has your Chinese-Korean side always been in America? Is that what you're trying to say? So my grandmother came from mainland China um, before my dad was born. Mm-hmm. And then my dad was born in um, Palo Alto, California. And so um, his parents spoke Chinese with him when he was a toddler. And then as he was being integrated into the American school system, mm-hmm. they began to speak only English at home okay. so that he would not be marginalized or be marginalized less for speaking Chinese Mm -hmm. in kind of an era where Chinese exclusion was a really prevalent issue. And um, so my dad does not speak Chinese as a result, and um, neither do myself or my brother. Mm -hmm. So we, um, without having that connection to the language, we don't have a lot of connections to the culture that you might otherwise have if if you have that language. And one of the reasons why I did this Generation Series is um, I realized that I don't speak Arabic. And going to Morocco, you need to speak Arabic. That's how, like, all my family members talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And so have you ever thought of maybe pursuing to learn Chinese, Mandarin? Has ever been a thought of yours? It has been a thought of mine. I tried it in freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just coming off of a lot of Spanish I think my whole middle school right I took Spanish and I thought you know maybe this starting high school is a good opportunity to change it up and kind of explore something that's a little more near and dear to Mm -hmm. who I am um and it was really difficult and I just didn't find myself identifying with the language a lot Mm. which is something that surprised me because um something that happens pretty often is we'll call my grandma who lives um in in Palo Alto, actually, really close to where my dad was born, right. and um, she'll she'll start talking to me in English, and then uh, she'll ask me about school and ask, "Are you taking Chinese?" And I'm like, "No, not yet." And then she'll just start speaking to me in Chinese, and I'm like, I'm "Like, nai, nai, I can't understand you," <laughs> um, and it that stings a little bit. Um, yeah. 
to kind of feel like I'm pushing away that okay. part of my identity, even though it's not really a conscious rejection so much as like a, I don't feel I, I don't feel it as part of my whole identity. Okay. Yeah. Do you think if you were to ever learn Chinese, would you be gaining something from your identity? It's hard to say because, like I explained earlier, we don't, we're not super in touch with our Chinese culture. Okay. And, um, like, my only Chinese relatives are my grandma, my aunt, and my dad. Okay. So, it's not like we have a lot of relatives in Taiwan or mainland China that mm. I could speak to. Um, I mean, we do have those relatives, but we're not in contact with them. Okay. So, as far as people in my family go, I don't think it would change much. Um, it would certainly enhance my relationship with my grandmother a lot, which right. I would love to do, but learning a language for that is a lot. It <laughs> so is, especially Chinese. a language like Chinese, which is not a romance language. It's not similar to yeah, Spanish. it's really difficult. <laughs> yes. Um, I also wanted to ask you about grandparents, because that's also really important, because yeah. sometimes they bestow down to you a lot of culture and heritage. Mm-hmm. How, what's the role with your grandparents like? Yeah, so I have never met either of my grandfathers, but um, I have my Chinese grandma and my white grandma. Mm-hmm. And um, my Chinese grandma, as I said, lives in California, whereas my white grandma lives up here in Washington, closer to us. Mm-hmm. And so I experienced a lot more of kind of that traditional, uh, you know, we grew up on the ranch with eight brothers and sisters, kind of like European American culture, mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, my grandma cooking homemade Chinese dishes or okay. speaking to me in Chinese as a kid because she just wasn't around geographically. Okay. That makes sense. And so is there any way else that you express both of your cultures, both the white side and the Chinese side? Because I know you were saying that you don't speak the language, but Mm -hmm. is there any other way, any festivities, traditions that you guys have in your family? Um, Not really, honestly. Our our westernization kind of goes to the point of, you know, we acknowledge Chinese New Year Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, probably a phone call with my grandma and we'll send each other cards. um, But... Otherwise, no, we're, we're very, like, detached from Chinese mm. cultural norms. I think what's also really interesting is your dad, him being American, so, like, for me, my dad is fully Moroccan, so I don't feel like I have someone to talk to about this because he's yeah. never been a, a kid growing up in America. But have mm. you decided to, like, talk to your dad about, about it since he grew up in America? Um, you know, I've spoken with him about it, and he had a really difficult experience growing up as a first-generation Chinese immigrant in the Bay Area because, uh, I mean, he was born in 1956, mm-hmm. so that's kind of, like, a really trying time to right. be Chinese in general, especially in California. Yeah. And um, he he acknowledges that, like, we've kind of left that part of our identity behind, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're still... A family and we have our own kind of identity as being mixed and you know not being fully in contact with the Chinese side of okay. our heritage but um, more just exploring that identity of being American and being more than one thing. Has it ever been difficult for you like in the school environment with your when you're with your friends balancing that balancing having that Chinese 
heritage and also being American? It has, yeah. I felt a great deal of exclusion from kind of the greater Asian community mm. in Seattle because being half and half um, and also especially not speaking Chinese, mm. um, I, I had a lot of friends in middle school who were, um, you know, full Asian. They spoke their language at home and whenever I would go to their house, I kind of felt like an outsider. Mm. And, um, you know, going into the international district um, around where, you know, there's a large kind of like focal point of Chinese culture, mm-hmm. I don't really feel like a member of that myself. And the same goes with white culture. Like when we mm. go to my white grandmother's house and there's all of the white relatives on that side of the family, right. I feel even more like an outsider because I'm not either so I'm kind of sitting in this middle space oh yeah that's an interesting way to think about it so you don't feel like you have an attachment to one culture over the other no I feel like in my daily life I definitely reflect the values of a Euro-American kind of westernized culture more Mm -hmm. um but as far as my personal identity goes I don't feel a strong attachment to either one nor do I feel kind of welcomed by either one Mm -hmm. so that's interesting. And so do you think that you'd ever feel welcome? Have you ever, like, tried? I mean, it's not easy. It's not, no. Um, I, I find that just kind of being in the urban environment that I am in, being in Seattle and mm-hmm. going to a really progressive school mm-hmm. and um, living in a neighborhood that's full of other um, people of color, that... I've never felt really like I needed that other place because, you know, while I am sitting in that middle space, um, there's so many other people who are there. And so, sorry, could you repeat the question? <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think you answered it. Okay. I think my next one is, for me, um, I'm biracial. I've already said this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually celebrate both of my cultures. Growing up, I celebrated more my black culture because I passed for black. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody thinks I look Moroccan until they see my last name. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I would just say embrace both of them mm-hmm. um, because they make you uniquely you. Yeah. Have you ever talked to other um, people who are biracial and talked to them about that? Yeah, my brother and I actually talk about this mm-hmm. between ourselves a lot. Um, because I went to visit him this past summer. He lives in Alameda now where he works. And um, I noticed that his friends are pretty much a 50-50 split of Mm -hmm. either like full Chinese or full white. And we talked about this, how, you know, when we're growing up, it's not like we have that kind of center space that we might be able to go to, like a cultural center or a church or something like that, um, whereas other people do. And it, you know, there, there's not a lot of connection between other people like us, even though we know that we're not alone. Right. So the networking is really difficult, and that's something that we talk about a lot. I understand that. And so looking towards the future when you eventually have kids, I don't know if you will, do you see yourself passing down your traditions or passing down your Chinese heritage or talking about that with your future children? Um. I don't think I'll have children, but if I were to, mm-hmm. I would definitely encourage them to embrace it more than I have. Okay. I feel that there's a richness there that can be kind of 
you know, it can be a beautiful thing to look at. Right. And I haven't necessarily had the opportunity to be exposed to that mm-hmm. in my life. Um, but I think it would be really great if my children or my brother's children were able to connect to that on a level that's sort of beyond what we have done as just we're just Americans, but, you know, as the world does become kind of more intermixed, um, you know, embracing the history behind that and the culture and um, having that really as part of your identity. Are you actively doing that right now? I try sometimes. Um, It's, there's a lot of things to juggle in life, but when I'm, when I'm with my grandma, I do try and talk to her and get her to kind of tell me stories about Mm. when before she immigrated and um I haven't met my grandfather grand I'm sorry grandfathers Mm -hmm. um so I wish I could speak to him but um I think he passed away when my dad before I was born I think um and yeah I the language is a lot to take on but I try and hear as many of the stories as I can from my nanai because that's what really I feel like that's what identifies it the most right is the experiences storytelling is so important mm-hmm. for a lot of cultures um and being being able to like pass that down yeah is also equally important and for a lot of relatives especially like that's all they have mm-hmm. they don't have a physical object I can give to you yeah. but I can give you my stories and stuff um so I think circling back to your biraciality, I know this podcast is not about that. It's sort of about just cultures in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're not at, like, you haven't come to terms with your biraciality. Have you? Have you not? You said that you felt like you were sort of in the middle. Yeah. Um, I've been told before by some people who live on the East Coast, friends, that mm-hmm. um, using the term biracial is actually inappropriate unless oh, it's wow. a mix of black and white. Which is not what the word seems no. to be for me, because bi just means two. Right. Um, so I've just been using the term mixed for the last few oh. years. Um, but, I mean, like, it's difficult to answer because I do feel that even though I am Chinese, I look Chinese, mm-hmm. um, I don't feel Chinese, okay. if that makes sense. Um, so coming to terms with that, I feel like I have a long ways to go in terms of learning about my cultural identity Mm -hmm. and, you know, what my ancestors and my relatives went through, Mm -hmm. how I ended up here where I am in America. Um, You know, I don't have much of that from either side of the family, but especially from the immigrant part of me, I would like to learn more about that. And I feel like that would push it further in terms of like acknowledging that yes I am a unique mix of two cultures um and I feel like we've talked a lot about your Chinese heritage but where's your mother from I know she's white but is she what type of European is she what's Uh, her story mostly Norwegian Swedish and Irish Uh, my great-grandfather was in the Norwegian Navy and he was the first one to come to the United States, I believe. And um, it was a very, like, classic little little house on the prairie type upbringing for yeah. my white grandmother. Uh, she has 
I want to say eight or nine siblings. So wow, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a really big family, but um, most of them are in Eastern Washington, and we're not super connected with them. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, my mom and I have talked about that a bit. How you, as kind of a person of, as a person of color, but mm-hmm. still being somewhat white, um, you know, which which part do you identify with more? Mm-hmm. Do you care more about your Chinese heritage than your white heritage because obviously I still have that white heritage. Mm. I still benefit a lot from the privileges of that as well. Mm. Um, and it's important that you acknowledge that. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Um, I think my family in general on both sides, um, at least from my parents down, is pretty detached from mm. those cultural things, but um, especially religion, I think. My grandma is a practicing Catholic, but not my mom at all. Um, My dad was baptized when he was probably two or three. Mm. Um, And since then, my brother and I have kind of embraced more Buddhist ideals. But um, yeah, it kind of just feels like a big melting pot. That's good. I think melting pot is good. Um, so for the Buddhist practices, is that, is it just you and your brother? Is it like a a family thing? Uh, my brother really started engaging with the material when he was in college. So Mm. about six or seven years ago, I think. Um, and every time he'd come back and visit, we'd go to dinner together and we'd talk about that. And like, you know, we grew up in a basically agnostic household. Mm -hmm. And so talking about, you know, what religion has to offer a family and what religion might have to offer us and what we have to offer to a religious community and um it's it's been really interesting to read more literature and to kind of engage in more conversation about that aspect because obviously it's a part of Chinese culture as Buddhism um but it's not the connection didn't necessarily arise from our heritage Okay, so it's just like a personal thing that you guys, yeah, you guys have together. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I've I've asked all the questions I need to ask. I think your stance on bi- biraciality is very interesting. Is there anything else you want to add? You have the floor. Anything um, else you feel like you need to be said? Not, not that I can think of. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for, you for sharing your me. personal experiences. Yeah.